Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi everyone, welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 48. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. If you have been listening, thank you so much for coming back and thank you so much for supporting the show and sending messages and emails and writing reviews especially the reviews on Apple Podcast. Those really do help people to find the show. But every week I'm just amazed at the fact that I keep hearing from more and more of you who are listening and enjoying the podcast and feeling it's comforting and helpful. I love hearing that so much. So keep those messages coming, please. And today's episode, I'm super excited about. My guest is Anne G. Bragg. And you actually probably are already following Anne and you just don't know it. Anne runs an account on Instagram where her and I had connected, but also on Facebook. There's a group and it's called Autism Super Moms. And it's a huge account with a big following. And the cool thing is that Anne and I actually connected several months back when I first started the podcast and we just kind of kept in touch and we kept checking in with each other and just developed this really great friendship and it's really cool because Anne actually is my second international guest she is from Canada although she also has a really adorable British accent so we get into that Um, but Anne is amazing she talks today about her daughter Rebecca and I think that this is a great episode for anybody but especially the girl moms out there because we get into a little more sensitive topics like puberty and also kind of navigating more challenging sibling relationships and all sorts of interesting topics that I think will be very valuable for for everyone to hear. One funny thing, when Ann and I started recording, I usually will kind of chat with the guests before we actually record or I'll kind of cut out the beginning part, but Ann and I just like jumped right into the conversation. So I ended up keeping all of it. Um, but it's kind of funny because there's a couple of times where I'm like, I'll edit that. And then you'll hear I didn't edit it. So <laughs> we just I felt like we, we just we jumped right in. and There was too much good stuff to try to edit it out. So I just kept the whole thing. It is my longest episode to date. So get comfy. And I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Anne. Hello, Anne. Hi, Megan. How Hello. are you? I'm good. Hello from Toronto. Toronto and you and I didn't even realize that you are British or what's your accent? Um, Southwest London. So I was born and raised in uh, the suburbs of London, Wimbledon. Oh my gosh. And uh, I came to Canada as my year abroad as a student as part of my French degree. I have Mm -hmm. uh, uh, a bachelor's in French and a bachelor's in education and oh uh yeah yeah so i love your sweet accent oh, i can't to just listen to you talk this whole time 
Thank you so much. I'm hoping that I don't start coughing. Oh, I had strep throat and it seemed to really hit me hard and it lasted about a good two weeks. And and so I'm not as caffeinated as usual. I'm on the herbal teas right now. Um, well yeah keep your tea if you need if you if you cough or something don't worry and I just wanted to say Megan that um I'm I apologize for joining your podcast so late it's like I have not been following all your episodes but I'm gonna do a big binge oh catch up that's okay. you have so many I do I know it's quickly like it's I mean I, I only release one a week but it's like amazing how they they start to pile up because yeah we're we're like in the 40s now yeah, it's like yeah. It's amazing. I recognize so many um, advocate moms. Oh, like I'm sure you do. Yeah, Lisa, yeah. Lisa, and and like so uh-huh. many of them. And it's just yeah. and you, Megan, you are like the rock star podcasting super mom. Oh <laughs> of, my god, you're like the Oprah <laughs> of, you, of oh my autism god. podcasting. Like yeah. seriously, I, oh my goodness, like you know, without wanting to sound annoying, I don't know how you do it because you got three little kids, you oh. know. So <laughs> it's amazing. Like That's honestly, like you should be so proud. Past- compliment that anyone has ever given me to say that I'm like Oprah I can't <laughs> well you you're you're in Illinois right you're doing all your work uh, that way you're following in her footsteps but honestly like it seems like podcasting is um is the new thing now doesn't it it's sort of interesting well it is interesting because like that was one of the reasons why I wanted to start the podcast was because I I had been reading some autism blogs but yes. I do feel and I feel like podcasting is just like the kind of audio version of blogging you know it's like yes you really get into into someone's head and you can really hear their their thoughts in a different way when it's like Mm -hmm. they're the ones actually narrating their story as opposed to when it's on the page and you're you're reading it but it's like you don't hear the inflection in their voice you don't hear like the joy and the pain it's just a different it's a different kind of medium when you actually hear it yeah so um I, I was going to say, let's, uh, I was going to, th- this was going to be like the intro that I was going to cut out, but I feel like mm-hmm. good stuff now. So maybe we should just jump right into it. <laughs> okay, sure. You're, it, it's a little scary, the fact that we're live, because honestly, when, um, like, it, it's sort of, it's crept up on me, this whole Instagram following, I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting it. And it's sort of like, you almost forget how many people might be reading what you post you know like it's, it's sort of interesting yeah. it's it's crazy I'm I'm literally one of the last moms to get an iPhone I didn't get <laughs> Facebook until until my oldest went off to university it was like 2015 and I figured oh I better just join them and then and then I started just exploiting the whole social media just to relieve me of to connect with my mm-hmm. peers and relieve me of feelings of isolation. And it's just been such a wonderful experience for the most part, you know, like it's been, uh, yes. yeah, very different, you know, sort of, it's amazing now, isn't it? That you it, can just, yeah. you know, it really is how you can, you can create this community of people that you don't actually know you've never met them and yet feel so close to them. Yes. Yeah. And so connected, which I mean, I, cause you and I, we, we connected like months back, I feel like, and we've been, kind of each other's cheerleaders and I, I love yes that. um if you will kind of like take us back to first of all don't be scared you're going to be amazing you're already amazing um but take us back to the beginning because you 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 have four daughters right 
Um, I have five altogether. Oh, so, my word. Yeah, so I had five girls in the space of 10 years. So the oldest was born in 97 and the youngest 2007. And, um, and Rebecca is right in the middle. Uh, she's my middle daughter and she's, um, I find it really hard to believe, Megan, that this December she's going to be 16. I just find it utterly like confusing in some ways it's like that she's already like 16 almost it's amazing you know and I I just it's just been really like a a real journey like a a huge roller coaster journey of extremes you know like um amazing that it's been that long you know 16 does feel like a milestone like my kids are are really little but I can only imagine how I'm going to feel when they when they turn 16 yes yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you've so, got uh, you've got a bit of a ways to go but you, yeah you're an expert already though <laughs> you no, know I know it, it really does like it, it it just when everyone everyone says that you know when you have babies like oh it just goes by so fast and when when they're really little when they're like a baby and you're like mm-hmm. okay sure sure but then it's like as as the days go on it's just like you can't believe how how quickly time just flies it's crazy yes yeah, yeah. it was um, back then like Yes, because Rebecca's your middle daughter, so you already had, you know, a, a couple, a couple daughters. Yes. When did you start to notice that there was maybe some differences or some like red flags with Rebecca? Um, well, with Rebecca, unfortunately, she's there is a history of ADHD in certain other members of the extended family, and mm-hmm. there is, and I, I can see now that there are others on the spectrum high functioning in the extended family, like just a little handful of different things. And, um, and so, um, and Rebecca's dad, my ex, he has ADHD Mm. and, um, and with Rebecca, it was sort of like, um, I had the experience of having Amber and Lucy that were older, obviously, and only two years apart. And, and Rebecca just, just was that kid who was, honestly my only easy pregnancy and she was the she was just that baby that you know you hear about the baby blues and the postpartum depression Mm. I was like on a happiness high with her it was like the baby pinks you know it was like (laughs) you had this baby that was sort of too content that it was just easy breezy sleeping real good like my my kid that breastfed the longest and like she was like such a smiley easy baby <laughs> um and um that's how they, logan was too logan yeah, was the happiest yeah. sweetest easiest baby and my my third my, my little one now she's a lot like him but yeah. I, I it's so funny when i look back because it's like he was just he was such a joy like right from the start we had no none of the like behavioral issues Mm -hmm. or like aggression or meltdown like I talked to some parents where it's like they really can even see that from like the early infancy like we yes oh no sign of that whatsoever yeah Mm -hmm. it's really interesting isn't it how you yeah because I think with moms I think we spend way too much time and energy when we're younger um looking at reasons to sort of blame ourselves for oh, this yeah. and that like overthinking you know and the, the, with the whole pregnancy what did you do or not do or that kind of, and really it was just like um 
it was just a very different pregnancy just no complications you know I had complications with the first two I had placenta previa with my very first and my second uh, partial placenta previa so I had like bleeding issues you know I had like I had to go on bed rest for the first so it was like it was very different with Rebecca and honestly I only started seeing um, things that was sort of the first sign was that when she was sort of nine months onwards, I would see a lot of zoning out in her high chair. Mm-hmm. Um, and and relatives and other people would sort of say, oh, isn't that cute? She's daydreaming. Oh. But really, like there was no sort of um, response to her name. Like she had actually pretty good eye contact, but it was very sort of... Um, there was just a lot of zoning out, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, and then she never really crawled. So she would, when she was about 14 months, so she was delayed with walking, um, she would take two steps and plonk right down. It was like a sort of psychological extreme overcautiousness like a fear of trying Mm -hmm. to take steps if that makes sense yeah and um so prior to age 14 months very little crawling very little attempts to stand up and and take any steps and also she only ever babbled two sounds she said dada repetitively and nana repetitively so there was no real extra babbling of any type Mm mm-hmm and uh, so basically, um, the journey started when I took her to the local doctor at um, almost 15 months of age. And I said, something's not right here. You know, like mm-hmm. I like just um, the walking really delayed, the talking really delayed. It was just a lot of a um, lot of little clues that ended up getting progressively worse. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so it was a um, in Ontario. I don't know how it is in the states, but it's quite the wait list to get in to see a developmental pediatrician. I was going to ask how it is in Canada because I know. I mean, obviously, the I think the healthcare overall is more accessible there. But I have heard there's yes times. Yeah, it is better in terms of if you have a severe disability, you do get a lot of assistance with certain medications being covered Mm -hmm. um but i it's really getting worse in terms of population density and and the wait lists and and they're trying to artificially cut down the wait lists which means Mm. that there's very there's less money for everyone and less of everything so so in a lot of ways it's not really um i don't feel the grass is greener if Mm. you have um, a disability or if you're old age in this country if that makes sense <laughs> yeah yeah no I was you're the you're the first guest I've had out from Canada but I was messaging with a mom recently who was in Canada and she was basically echoing the same things that you are that it was there is there's a lot to be accessed but it's difficult to get access to it very difficult and it's very frustrating when you you you're trying to get your child into a, a multidisciplinary evaluation and you're just you're waiting and waiting and it's like everything is sort of five months like back then it was five months to get her seen by a developmental pediatrician Mm -hmm. um when I moved it was um 
actually I was told I was lucky when I moved, but I was told it's up to 18 months to get into certain oh, wow. pediatricians, which wow. is pretty bad, you know, yeah. for, um, for a city like, like Toronto. And, mm-hmm. uh, and it's interesting because right now where we're at is that things are changing that <laughs> I don't want to be negative, but there's a lot, um, a lot less, a lot of cutbacks, a lot less help. And so, you, we're back to where Rebecca qualifies for more therapy, um, but you're back to sort of this situation where they're not going to cover that much um, financially. They're not going to cover that much, and you're back to sort of being told, or you might have to wait up to 18 months um, to get into more IBI, ABA, that kind of thing. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, oh, okay. But back when back when she was really little, yes. So you finally you got in to see a mental pediatrician, and she was she was very young. How old was she at this point? Um, she was 19 months. So and two, really little. Really little. Um, yeah. it was very obvious that there were delays, and <laughs> and so what the what the developmental pediatrician did is she ordered a multidisciplinary. I can't say it now, sorry, <laughs> evaluation. So so Rebecca was seen by the developmental pediatrician. She was seen um, by a whole team that evaluated her. It was actually really, really, really tough because um, she was pretty hyperactive and she was in a room with a speech therapist, an occupational therapist, a physiotherapist. She was only 19 months old um, and... Um, and 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 you were trying to conduct a parent interview while they were observing her as well so it was mm-hmm. kind of crazy and yeah. uh, and so what happened is she got the diagnosis of global developmental delay and the developmental pediatrician decided that she's going to be on wait lists to get speech therapy occupational therapy physiotherapy and then um um and and just wait until actually wait to see if she hits any milestones Mm -hmm. um i I don't know how you feel about that but in some ways i feel that if if rebecca were 10 years younger she would have been diagnosed at least a year earlier if that makes sense okay yeah um, so she didn't get her because they were sort of waiting to put her through blocks of speech therapy. Um, she needed physiotherapy to help learn how to walk basically. Mm-hmm. Um, like she need, but it was, um, it was sort of like you go in for 10 weeks of, of every kind of therapy and then you're back on a wait list for what seems like five months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's a very frustrating process. And, uh, and so she didn't get the full, autism diagnosis until age three two months which I guess back in um, that would have been back in 2007 um, I guess that's pretty a typical age that you would be diagnosed around three years old of course now they can diagnose you a lot uh, sooner can't they they can but I, I still think it's difficult to get a diagnosis yes that young because like you said like the same thing that they were telling you you know because they're so young I mean mm-hmm. obviously there there is there's going to be instances like for for you and me where you know 
these kids doesn't matter how old they are like they they just need the extra help but I yes. do think there's times when they see these kids especially when they're like under two and mm-hmm. like you know let's kind of wait and see which I I get I like I totally hear where you're coming from but I, yeah. I see where they are too because it's like they're so young and yes it's hard to know where where they're gonna fall it's mm-hmm. funny because Logan actually got that same diagnosis of global developmental delay right um, yeah. when he before he turned two when we first had him uh evaluated like with our within our like early intervention program here in Illinois mm-hmm. um and then it was like later when he didn't catch up that we had to really pursue the autism diagnosis so I think that that's that's definitely common I I think that it's great that we're we're shifting and we're getting a diagnosis sooner because obviously we know that earlier intervention is so important but it's hard when they're so little because they they present certain signs and you're like okay is this autism or is it toddler yeah you're exactly right it's um it is a case where you just have to find the best developmental pediatrician or the best neurologist the best team and you just have to put your trust in them basically yeah Um, it's just so complex and uh, and I think what happened with me when Rebecca was little is I when she was under the category if you like of global developmental delay I would sort of go into the waiting room and I'd look at the the pin boards that would have all the signs of autism Um, And I believe it was sort of the traits from Autism Ontario. And I'd sort of do this kind of denial kind of bargaining because I'd look at all the categories and I'd and I'd kind of say to myself, you know, my kid is really social. She does not like maybe she doesn't have it because she doesn't match what they are listing in the social category. But then, um, of course, later I realized that really Rebecca is um, she is very social and very spunky but she is very different that way too because she just mm-hmm. um like everyone like she's sort of overly social and she doesn't really know a lot of she doesn't know the stranger safety any she doesn't right. know a lot of the nuances and differences <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense it yeah. does no I totally I know exactly what you mean like because you even when you you see those signs that are like very clear kind of red flags for autism you're still going to cling to whatever it is that yes look like autism and until you have that that diagnosis the doctor says it's asd you're going to look for anything that's like well maybe it's not even if even though you know in your heart of hearts what's what's happening i think most of the time i know i did yeah um you still you're still looking for that yeah. Um, you posted something, this was a while back. It was a few months ago and oh, kind no, of similar. Remember. <laughs> Do you remember what I'm going to talk about? Uh, Th- this, okay. So this was, it was a picture of Rebecca as like a little toddler, probably around the time when she was diagnosed and she was just like cute as can be. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you said something with a post that like cut me so deep and I still think about it. And it, you were mm-hmm. talking about how, when you look back at photos of Rebecca at that age, you feel like you can't see her autism or you feel Mm. like maybe she didn't, she wasn't presenting the signs like as clearly as she is now. It wasn't even that it wasn't that. Cause like you said, she had these signs from the beginning, but it was more Mm -hmm. so just that now that she's older, that gap between her typical peers and where she is now has just Mm -hmm. widened. Yes. And I I, like, obviously Rebecca's 16. So you have had more time. Yes. Almost. Yeah. I can feel that so deeply with, with my son because with Logan, I mean, he's only six, but it was like, 
I, I feel those same things when I, when I look mm-hmm. back at photos of him, it's so bittersweet. Cause I see him and I see this, this little baby. And I think like, those were the good old days. Those were the days before yes, this yes. affected us when really it was affecting us the whole time. It was just yes. like in such a different way. So all that to say, you really, you really hit the nail on the head with that. Will you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, like it's really, um, it's like a whole life of, ex- it's a real emotional roller coaster because yeah. on, in some respects, what helps me get through the hard times and feel better and feel empowered in a way is to sort of look at family photos. Mm-hmm. But then, I don't know if that makes sense. Like, not that I'm trying to say that, oh, I'm a great mom and look how, you know, I managed it. But it, it kind of makes you feel, oh, we, you know, we we did some great things. Yeah. We managed, we did good. You know, but then, you know, but it's like photos are so, um, I don't know how you put it, um, really can deceive you greatly yeah. because I see so many photos of Rebecca when when it looks like she was playing nicely with blocks or it looks like she was playing appropriately with um with certain I don't know (laughs) certain puzzles or Mm -hmm. or it looks like she was sitting and coloring nicely or or it actually looks like she was brushing her own teeth even and Mm -hmm. and really she wasn't you know like she she um like Rebecca never really played um Mm -hmm. And, and really, like, even now, like, she has a lot of trouble sitting for any length of time. Mm-hmm. Um, like, her, her ADHD is really um, pretty severe. And, and I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know how to put this uh, diplomatically. But in a lot of ways, her ADHD has been just as much of a struggle as other traits of autism have mm-hmm. been, you know, for me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, like um photos are so (laughs) they're so deceptive because Mm -hmm. they fool you into thinking that oh those were easy times and it was all you know great and 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 it makes you feel that she's lost skills but really she was struggling yeah to, to gain any skills if that makes sense oh yeah like you have these snapshots of like you said maybe maybe for that like one second she was Mm -hmm. blocks or she was you know brushing her teeth and and you have that photo that you can look at and say look she was doing that but it's like you know in your yeah. heart like she wasn't really doing that you just kind of yeah. caught up and I I know exactly what you mean though because yeah. I have those same photos and I look back at Logan and I think like oh you know we were we were playing at the park that day it was so fun and yeah. I have the photo of him you know running off and oh I know. running away from me you know what I mean so it's yeah. like you you definitely like you, you deceive yourself. Um, mm-hmm. But it also it's I know for us, at least like kind of how we were talking about that, that gap too. it does as they get older, those certain behaviors for at least for us have gotten more intense. And then also, yes, picked up other behaviors like he didn't yeah. have a lot of kind of classic signs of autism when he was that mm-hmm. young. Whereas now, if you had one of those lists from the doctors, like you were talking about, mm-hmm. I think he would hit every one of them. Yeah. yeah. Like when I really look back, I, I realized that there were a lot of very crazy times in, in the sense that like Rebecca went through like a really alarming headbanging phase. Mm. And then, um, and that, that was fortunately like not a long phase and, and it got replaced by a 
slapping little siblings on the head face. So, mm. so I had this situation where I was the stay at home mom. I was, you know, I had the triple stroller because Rebecca was really unsteady and really not safe and very delayed with walking. And so I was sort of walking the older two to the local school with the triple stroller and all the, <laughs> so I had Rebecca, <laughs> Charlotte and Suzanne. And, and I had a situation when, like Suzanne was a newborn and I was uh, like, I had, luckily I had like a little open concept house. And so I had a situation of how do I stop Rebecca from repetitively slapping Charlotte on the head while I'm sitting breastfeeding the newborn? <laughs> like it was just like crazy. So I did all these, um, I had like, I did everything I could, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I basically had, um, I had to have Rebecca with, within sight. Luckily, I had a little main floor den, and I'd like I had to baby gate her just so that mm -hmm. I could breastfeed safely. And I had to go through phases of I don't know if other moms have done it, but really sort of eliminating a lot of the hard plastic toys that you'd that you'd feel that were appropriate for typical you know four year olds or mm -hmm. whatever age she was right then. So a lot of the hard plastic toys would be thrown over baby gates sort of uh, I had to confiscate a lot of yeah. stuff and go back to really simple basic things um, to keep the other ones safe from being injured if uh, it sounds yeah. crazy no not at all I, I we've been very lucky Logan doesn't have any kind of like um, aggressive behaviors like that like yes. he, he doesn't want to like hit or throw toys or anything but mm -hmm. I know it is so common I've talked to so many people I actually just recently had a mom reach out to me and ask for advice on how to get her son to stop hitting her because she was like it's getting to the point where I'm afraid of of what yes he, of yeah. hurting me um and it broke my heart to hear that because it's like like you said you you really just mm -hmm. have to do everything you can like there's no there's no simple answer to this and yeah it's definitely like, like you said, like you look at those photos of that time and you see the, the happy smiles and that's what you take away from it. But when you really dig deep on it, mm -hmm. like you said, there was so much going on under the surface of it. Just such a busy life. And you, and just like simple things, like you got little toddler kids playing in the backyard and obviously you're having to supervise them because you have a little water table or you have a little pool or whatever mm -hmm. you have. And you've got a child like Rebecca who you know, by no thought of her own is just constantly in and out playing mm. with the sliding doors to the backyard. And you're thinking, oh, you got to supervise her, but you got to supervise the others. You got to put in yeah. extreme measures so she can't lock you out of the house yep. and be in the house by her own, mm -hmm. <laughs> by herself. And um, it's like a lot of things that you have to sort of plan for. And um, it's like, cra like crazy times to keep up with um uh, three toddlers basically yeah. and, and and that's one, the kind of stuff know. that only another autism mom would understand because if yes, you yes. were to say that to you know a mom with typical children like you know oh it's hard for me to watch all my kids when they're when they're playing in the yes. pool they'd be like oh me too and you're like no yeah <laughs> and and so and so and and I don't mean and I hope I never offend anyone on the spectrum but because I never want to be disrespectful it's mm -hmm you know, it's, everyone's different. It's your neurology and it's mm -hmm. sort of, um, but, uh, but it's just the level of, um, with some children, just if you've got the severe intellectual disability and a lot of the 
behavior is involuntary there's a lot of issues with safety you really have to be sort of hyper vigilant and that is exhausting oh yeah <laughs> like you know it's exhausting and I think with Rebecca it's sort of like you had another element where you had so she'd been taught how to walk like she she was born her whole life she had an unsteady gait so mm. she really went from taking two steps and plonking down and and being overly extremely cautious to sort of bouncing off walls running everywhere Mm -hmm. so so we never really had her walking um at regular speed around the house so she um so once she could walk by age four it was sort of like it was just the shock of having someone that was bouncing off walls and climbing climbing repetitively scarily climbing it was like know? two total extremes yeah very extreme mm-hmm. and so um and it wasn't until she was in kindergarten and she and and despite having the autism consultants go in and do all the visuals and and try and safety proof the the classroom it was sort of like you've got a child who's just basically escaping the classroom trying to escape the building like very scary you Mm -hmm. know um so so the adhd was really sort of um um like eventually it 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 put really was putting her safety at risk like every single day in extreme ways so we sort of had no choice but to uh start drug trials so um so my time she was in senior kindergarten, she was on drug trials for Ritalin. Um, and, uh, and like, it's um, like, I see medication as being a last resort, but honestly for, for Rebecca, it was, it was the difference from being able to safely be in a kindergarten classroom and, and not go, mm-hmm. you know, um, it was sort of, uh, it helped her a lot. You, yeah. she, like she went from barely being able to sit with an EA and do one activity to being able to do four, complete four kindergarten activities, and, you know. Which like for her, you know, I mean, for any kid, that's a big deal. But when, when they're developmentally behind, it's like they need all that, their, their attention span because it's like they're, they have so much that they need to learn. Yes. So it's like so important to, to give them that tool that like, okay, now, now you're able to, to, to learn and process things. Whereas before, like you said, it, it was not only just like her, her activity, but just being able to like sit and focus on something that's just going to help mm-hmm. her so much. Yes. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. honestly, without any kind of medication, you just, you honestly, you look at her like constantly on the go, constantly yeah. move, and you feel like that her poor body, you know, what it's yeah. going through, like mm-hmm. just like not being able to sort of um, sit for two minutes to eat, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've never really had the experience. Like I worked as a nanny um, part time through university. I, I traveled and worked as a nanny, but I had never seen that level of hyperactivity, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, it does, for sure. Logan does not yet have a diagnosis of ADHD, but I'm pretty sure it's in our future because he is, Mm -hmm. like you said, like the 
the level of energy that, you know, and I'm, I, I was an Annie also, and my brother actually had, he was, this was back in the like early nineties. So he was diagnosed as just ADD before they always added the ADHD to it. And he, he definitely had attention issues. Like it was hard to, mm-hmm. to capture his attention. Um, but he really didn't seem to have the hyperactivity, but again, yeah, when you, when you see a, a child who like, that like you said that level of hyperactivity like it's jarring logan is like a bumblebee like he just never stops moving yeah and he's super happy so it's like i i i do i look at him and i'm like well but he's so happy so it's like i don't want to like bring him down but like you said at the same time it's like you you must really just be exhausted you just don't how to stop yourself yeah it's exhausting and then and then having a situation where like no one else can really manage them so you feel like it's like an effort even to have that child in a kindergarten classroom for two and a half hours even you know Mm -hmm. Um, like unmedicated completely unmedicated yeah so so it's a you know medication just such a controversial thing and um and now with with age there are you know other medications come into play because of um i guess you're seeing more ocd behaviors or i am it's it's anxiety um it's interesting because i never saw i always saw rebecca as blissfully happy and bliss Mm -hmm. you know as a younger child but puberty changed things a lot in terms of um seeing anxiety i never saw her as having anxiety until she hit puberty and then and then you're just seeing more of the sort of hoarding if you like more more OCD tendencies Mm -hmm. more of a sort of um more sensory overload where like Rebecca is one of those people who can really handle a lot of being outdoors yeah and then and then all of a sudden she'll hit that kind of overload and it's meltdown you know get back home kind Mm -hmm. of so so she is really sort of um at her happiest outside but what's really challenging about it is you cannot um take her out constantly you cannot keep her busy constantly outside of the home if that makes sense oh yeah mm-hmm. um so puberty made things harder because she she started lashing out more in terms of aggression because she doesn't because the you're seeing more of the issues i think with the intellectual disability where you cannot I haven't figured out a way to get Rebecca to sort of, and I might never appreciate the concept of time. Like, you know, you can't sort of go out shopping um, for lip glosses at 4 a.m. on a Sunday morning, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause, she, like, Cause she is just like, <laughs> she's ready. Like she's so social, which is great because mm-hmm. she, her, her best behavior is going to be for others. It's like, mm-hmm. she really is a social butterfly. And, and she, if she could, she would go to school seven days a week and she'd be ready as soon as she wakes up. Like as soon as <laughs> that's just <laughs> like Logan, she'd, you know, this she'd go, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh huh. He loves to be out of the house. Like he loves to be going to school, going to the store, going like any anytime we say get your shoes, that's like the happiest he is because he knows yeah we're gonna go somewhere. Um, that's so funny. I I know exactly what you mean though with that concept of time because it's like even when when I I'll tell him like okay in a little bit we're gonna go 
you know, to so-and-so and he'll immediately go get his shoes. And I'm like, not yet, buddy. Like we got to wait a little bit. And he gets so mad. Cause he's like, Oh, no, I'm yeah. ready to go now. <laughs> yeah. I haven't figured out how to like, and <laughs> I don't want to say it makes me feel like a failure. Cause I know I've done, I've done my best, but you know, when they're younger and, and they are getting ABA therapy and it's really sort of very intense and very structured they sort of do like when she was younger she was doing really well with the waiting and Mm -hmm. the you know sequence but (laughs) once puberty hits it's like it's a whole different thing it really is I've heard that puberty really does like throw a wrench in things like even if they're you know going somewhat smoothly like and and it makes sense because it's like what kid doesn't have you know, obviously hormones are shifting, like everything is kind of going crazy inside. So it's like you, it makes sense that you would see a difference in behaviors autism yes. or not, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's got to be very hard on them. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel what's really hard having a girl is that you're trying to look for patterns. Like when is it worse? Because um, one of the autism specialists, like a, a psychiatrist that I was seeing, he was saying, well, maybe break things down Anne, and see whether there is like a time of the month when she's way harder to handle in terms of lashing out or in terms of, um, you know, having premenstrual syndrome or mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And like, see if you can just tackle other things. And if that makes sense. Like, yeah. Um, because it's really um, hormones and pain, and that's the other thing, is I can't always tell when Rebecca's in pain, mm-hmm. um, which has made it very challenging because this is a, a child that can really um, hurt themselves and never really cry, you know, mm-hmm. and you're trying mm-hmm. to pay attention to that and and trying to figure out how to just keep them a little bit more balanced in terms of you know like with um, Rebecca I'm finding it's really challenging to know when when she's getting like is she drinking enough at school is she vulnerable to getting because when she gets like a cystitis a urinary tract infection Mm. it's horrendous for her Mm. yeah if um, like because she can tolerate a certain level of pain that other kids would not be tolerating and so it gets to a sort of a worse point where you're actually having to deal with the hospitals and, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was something that was interesting to me to find out because Logan always, I would always just say, and granted he's a boy. So this is probably me just like gender stereotyping, but you know, he would fall down and he wouldn't cry. And I was mm-hmm. always, Oh, he's so tough. He's such a tough yeah. kid. And it was like, I, I just always thought that was, that was how he was. And it wasn't until later that I found out that people with autism do process pain in a different way. Yeah. And it's like they can, they can experience a higher level of pain without having the, the typical reaction. Yeah. And I do think as he's gotten older and I think that he's just gotten more aware of his, his senses overall, he, mm-hmm. I do think he processes pain a little bit more in like a typical way. Um, but yeah, when, when he was younger, that was something that I, I was always surprised by it. And I was like, oh, this is just how he is. And then come to find out like, oh, this is another sign of autism. Yeah. It's interesting how much we learn from one another. And yeah. Experience, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
especially okay so talking about learning from one another because i i do have a lot of moms that listen with with girls obviously i have Mm -hmm. a boy so it's different for me um so and you were talking a little bit about like rebecca's cycle I'm just curious, how do you handle that? If you don't feel, if you feel comfortable talking about that? Cause I know like that, <laughs> there, that's something that I, I can only imagine how, how like, you know, difficult of a transition that would be. Yes. And I just recently, there was another mom that I follow who was talking about her daughter who's about Logan's age, lost her, <laughs> lo- lost a couple baby teeth. And she was like, this is just another sign of her getting older. I know at some point she's going to get her period. And it's like, these are, when you have a typical child, these are things that you're almost like celebrating and looking forward to. When yes. You have a special needs child. It's like, you don't know how to handle these things. It's a little bit more scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really interesting because Rebecca's got this, um, um, a real love for band-aids. So okay. anything that sticks, any sticker, <laughs> any band-aid, it's everything's a band-aid to her. Okay. Okay. So basically I've been lucky as we use pads and I've mm-hmm. been able to sort of sell it to her as, oh, this is a giant band-aid. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know? that's actually and really smart. So so she's really doing well, but now I'm sort of reevaluating and almost tearing my hair out because she moves so much mm-hmm. in her sleep that every pad sort of bunches Mm -hmm. and like and then so I'm on the verge of I haven't looked into it but I'm on the verge of sort of trying those I've I've seen the ads online the period panties or whatever you call Uh them Uh uh-huh um because I'm just finding that I can't keep up with just extreme cleaning oh I I mean I can only imagine because it's like it's it's difficult enough to deal with yourself but it's like when you're dealing with you know another person I did hear like recently in like another just kind of like mom's group that I'm in a lot it seems like a lot of people will just do like adult diapers during yes during their 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 daughter's cycle which I think totally makes sense yeah Um, but yeah now that they have the like you said like the the period panties that's kind of which is it's sort of the same concept but they're like and look like regular underwear so I can see how that would be like a good that's what I've sort of been doing is I've so I've been putting her in like a sort of a really good quality pad and and she's such a girly girl so you have to go for nice packaging that she likes you have to sort of bring her with you to the store to choose all her her stuff yeah (laughs) and um and so uh but it's just that she the way she moves she's just (laughs) it's just like nothing really works so so what I've been doing is I've I sort of started and and this was really like something that I was really not wanting to do, but I started pulling her in a good night for school so that it, so that she wouldn't have any leakage issues. Mm, yeah. But the, the mm. problem with that is that it sort of, it didn't work. She would come straight home hating it. I think she has some kind of awareness that this is sort of like going back in time so then she started okay. just basically stripping nude and okay. you find them and and so that doesn't work because she's got to wear something you know mm-hmm. yeah gotcha. so it's kind of interesting isn't it how yeah um, like she actually has she's very intelligent like she she wants to be like the other siblings like she learns by imitation and um she doesn't want to go back to good nights right? yeah uh-huh. or anything like that so yeah it probably is really helpful that she has so many sisters because it's like she's kind of like 
oh, I'm just one of the girls. Like this is, we yes. all, we all have these things. Um, yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that. Cause I think that's something that a lot of, you know, girl moms listening are probably really unsure of and yes. hearing another mom be like, okay, this is what we're doing. Like, you know, maybe this isn't working. Maybe this is like, it's just nice to kind of hear like, okay, you're doing it. I, I think I can do it too. You know, yeah. I'll talk about anything, Megan. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I like that like too, after but... you've had five kids. It's kind of like, oh, my God. oh my gosh, totally. <laughs> well, I only have three, but I already feel that way. So yeah, I can you feel that way. Five right? girls. I yeah. Imagine. I was going to ask that too, though. What, what is her relationship like with her sisters? Um, I feel that this is sort of like, the sad part and this is where I stay quiet and try and just hold on to any kind of contentment I have Mm -hmm. because it's kind of like at an all-time bad in in a lot of ways I think that it's hard to explain but I think because um you're dealing with a lot of kids that are teenagers yeah and I think the gap in terms of um how how can I put it I think she unfortunately Rebecca is she plays she's interested in a lot of things that a two-year-old would be interested in Mm -hmm. and so and and unfortunately she doesn't really she needs a lot of visual barriers a lot of locks and and things to sort of send her the message that not everyone's lip gloss is yours you Mm -hmm. can't just you can't just take all your siblings belong, you know, it's that kind yeah. of thing. So there's that kind yeah. of tension I that has sort of, um, which I sort of need to come up with more strategies other than saying to the siblings, and this is the hard part, like you, you're trying to give the siblings places out of Rebecca's reach that they can mm-hmm. put their stuff. But Rebecca is now very determined and, and can reach a lot of my spots that she couldn't reach before. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it does. Uh huh. Like she's sort of five foot two practically mm-hmm. and and she's hundred and twenty-five pounds now and mm-hmm. and she um she's just very determined. So so I'm finding like um I'm replacing a lot of sibling stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds I, bad, you know. No, I can bad. see what you're saying. Yeah. Um like a lot of the strategies that worked when everyone was younger so it's more you know it's more like you're trying to make sure the siblings stay nice to her you know don't it's a sibling thing that it's hard to be you know you you're seeing Mm -hmm. one child get more attention um because they need it like Rebecca honestly she needs my help to dress her every day of her life she needs you know her her food cut up small she needs a she needs to be slowed down and she needs to be prompted to go to the washroom like she needs a lot of help for safety and and for all kinds of reasons you know as part of her her um just level of care that she needs so it's kind of um it's got to be tough on the siblings in a lot of ways you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we have a similar issue now because I talk about this a lot, but Logan loves candy. And one thing that I try to keep away from him are suckers because Uh I don't know if 
Rebecca's like this, but if he if he can like chomp on something, like you give him a sucker and it's gone in two seconds. Like he will yeah. just like break his teeth on a sucker. Um, but my my middle daughter Liliana, she loves suckers. So if she if she gets a sucker, I'm like, okay, like I can't always say no to her. But then mm-hmm. I'll tell her like, okay, well, we need to, we need to hide this from Logan because we can't let him get it. But I know what you mean because even now it's like he he finds a way to get into my hiding spots. And yeah. I can't imagine as he gets older that it's like that's just gonna continue to get harder and harder because it's it's a really difficult issue because you want to challenge them and you don't want to live like you're in a total prison right that makes sense yeah um like for example I know now that Rebecca's pretty much over the phase fortunately of um needing to be completely locked out of a washroom she hasn't dumped tons of paper in and blocked a toilet with whatever in 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 a long time yeah so so i'm kind of um not putting special locks because i don't want to stop any level of independence that she has absolutely Mm -hmm. um because because basically i can she's not completely toilet trained but she's almost completely toilet trained if that makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. um and and so if she's wearing leggings then she's got that freedom she can pretty much go like she's very fast she might Mm -hmm. not you know do the steps and actually wash her hands but she's pretty (laughs) much can do it um you might have to time prompt her as well Mm -hmm. um but i'm trying to challenge her to have little sort of more moments of independence yes I think that that is like such an important piece to say because I feel like a lot of times you know as as autism moms we can Mm -hmm. criticize from people saying like oh you're doing these therapies and you're trying to make them less autistic or you're trying to like take that away from them or change Mm -hmm. the person and it's like no we're we're trying to make them as like happy and independent and have as much freedom as as we can give them in yes. a safe and a safe and like productive manner yes and I, like that is that's something that like I, I a, a piece that always always gets mm-hmm. to me when people are like oh you know ABA therapy like it's abusive or it's harmful and it's like mm-hmm. you're, you're trying to take away these special quirks that make them them and it's like no I I love the quirks I just I want to make sure that he's safe and that like I said he has as much independence as he can because who who wants to like everyone yeah. everyone wants independence everyone wants to, be able to yeah. do things on their own like that's yeah. just like a basic you know right basically yeah. yeah and it's very easy for a a parent that doesn't have a child who's severely intellectually disabled and and really dependent on a primary caregiver for full-time caregiving it's very easy for them to say things like that but to really comprehend that well a caregiver's eventually gonna age Uh you it's natural for you to want your children to have as much skills as possible as much independence as possible and even though a child like Rebecca is very I I don't talk about it a lot because I want autism super mums to I I want it to sort of be supportive and helpful and welcoming for 
everyone so I don't really talk about levels of autism like Mm -hmm. crazily Mm -hmm. but it's a fact that Rebecca is on the on the severe end and Mm -hmm. and she's going to need more supports her entire life so but I just don't want uh, that fact to let people say make comments that aren't empathetic and understanding to our and respectful of our journey that like I'm not trying to change my child I am I don't see I am very very offended when I see someone come on the the Instagram late at night um posting something that is implying that autism is a disease that must be cured and and I go I like I delete and like there are like controversial things that get posted so Um, many controversies within autism (laughs) yeah like a lot and and I you know I try and make sure that no (laughs) families especially the younger families with newly diagnosed see this kind of stuff I try and monitor it and it's kind of like um it's not like I want to change my child it's not my child isn't um being abused in any way like mm-hmm. um it's it's about trying to work with what they have and improve mm-hmm. what their strengths are and try and help them for the rest of their lives i mean yeah. this is not an easy um an easy life uh, mm-hmm. you know for any anyone that's um struggling with uh comorbid issues and and levels of independence it's not an easy life you know absolutely well and it's and I think there there are tools that we can use to help them and again not not change them not make them into different people but just help them to to reach their full potential and again have those life skills and that independence uh we Logan is recently potty trained and it's I would say he's about 95 percent there so we still have a way, yeah. way to go Um, but it was, it meant so much to me. Like, obviously for me, I'm really happy to not have to change diapers, but it's Mm -hmm. like for him, I'm just so happy for him that it's like, okay, this you, you've mastered this like very, you know, basic functional life skill. And this is going to carry you forward in the rest of your life. And it was like this one step that I'm like, okay, if we can do this, like we can do anything. Like that was really how it felt. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why he got to that point is because we've been able to do so much therapy and things that have mm-hmm. been really helpful for him. So it's, it's really important for me to like put that message out there that like, you know, we, as, as, as moms, as autism, super moms, we are just trying to do the best for our kids. Exactly. Yes. yes yeah. Totally. Not trying to cha- change the personality, not trying to. Yeah. You yeah. Just, uh, you just, and you're a caregiver as well yeah. more than a mom so you're taking that seriously absolutely totally and uh it's uh oh the whole toilet training i've got to say that um we had like like rebecca had five years of um ibi therapy and uh and i had a team of therapists in my home full time for two weeks because she was um, getting the toilet training, habit training at the center, mm-hmm. and she could hold for hours. And I kid you not, she would just have the toileting accident on 
a special mat and a pile of towels in the car seat on the way home. Mm-hmm. She just like got into such a habit of fear of the toilet, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and holding. And it was, yeah. Like, and so it, that was like a huge achievement to sort of um, have, uh, have the help of uh, professionals and get her more to a point where she doesn't need to be in, in pull-ups full time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I totally, we, we just went through all this. So I totally, yeah. totally. It's interesting because I even had like senior, like therapists and, and like sort of questioning me, are you doing exactly what we're telling you to do? No. And are you following? <laughs> <laughs> like, and <laughs> you're like, yes, I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm so, like, we just came to the conclusion that like Rebecca is like, <laughs> like, she is such a spunky kid. She's just very stubborn, you know, naturally. Like I was just telling another parent this because I, I just posted an episode about like kind of our potty training journey. And it was a dad telling me like, oh, you know, we're, we've had some, some problems and it's taken us time. Like we, we, we really tried it and it wasn't working. And I told him, I'm like, you know, we, cause we went through the same thing. It took us a yeah. long time to get to this point. And I'm like, they're, they're ready when they're ready. Not when we're ready for them yes. to be ready. Like it really, it has to come from them. And there's no, there, there's no like magic crystal ball where you can say like, oh, okay, like today's day they're ready. You just kind of have to wait it out and yeah. keep trying and just do the best you can. Um, and I think that I, I it's so funny. They said that too. Cause I remember we, I was talking to Logan's BCBA and he was telling me that there was a lot of parents that they have that they'll go through the whole potty training program with them and then it's like the kids come home and they just put them in pull-ups so it's like they're yeah I I mean as much I know you obviously are doing what you're supposed to do but I think (laughs) they probably see that a lot where it's like because it is a lot of work it's a lot of even if you have the ABA therapist yeah doing this with them you still have to implement everything at home and so like it that's a lot of work for the parent as well and I, I yeah I understand where they're coming from but at the same time it's like you you have to put that work in to see the result yeah Oh, it was kind of interesting in my house, Megan. It was <laughs> because I honestly had to spend a lot of time in the main floor washroom with Rebecca. And it was, and, and Rebecca was 10. And so the other two, the younger two, <laughs> sort of, they would, they would know that, oh, mom's really busy doing toilet training. Mm-hmm. We are going to be in the kitchen climbing right and getting yeah. whatever snacks we want you're like what you can know? I get away with when she's not looking oh I totally understand that yeah totally get a, that it yeah, it's always, I, I understand that because it's, it's always like a circus over here so I definitely, yeah I definitely get that uh well and I really could just talk to you all day it's so funny because we like I said we've been we've been communicating for so long but now to like actually have this conversation with you I I love you just as much as I knew that I would Oh, thank you very much. You're and such a sweetheart. Like it's real, like it's, it's amazing to be able to connect with others. Like mm-hmm. I can't explain it, but it's a thrill for me in, yes. in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it's a kind of, it's a combination of most of my interests because I, I always wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> I always mm-hmm. wanted to, you know, sort of, it gets my creative, it's a bit of a creative outlet for yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, I'm it's sort of like a combination of everything I wanted to do like I want to I want to communicate a little bit I want to educate but not in a way hopefully not in a way that's condescending or off-putting or Mm -hmm. unhelpful and because I don't have all the answers I you know none of us do you know 
Totally. I always say that too. Like I want to, I want to, you know, share our story if that can help someone, but it's like, I never want to come off like a know-it-all or someone who's yeah. like, oh, well you should do this. Cause we do. Cause I do get people asking me for advice now. And I'm like, I'm not a doctor. Like I could tell you yeah. what we did and what worked for us. But, or, or if I don't know, I can, you know, pool answers for you. But I do think that, um, I, t- I hear exactly what you're saying though. Cause I feel like that, making those connections and finding the support of other people who are going through the same things that you are, mm-hmm. it, it really does. It, it's, it's just like this unspoken bond that we all have and yeah. connecting and, and, you know, finding people who are dealing with these same things. Like it just like it, it really gives me such peace to know like, okay, we're, we're all in this together. We're all going through this together. We all have each other's backs and it's, it's such a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, you just, like you have some negativity you have like a you know tiny little bit of it like it's crazy it's the wild wild west (laughs) on the internet Uh, but you just try and just ignore the toxic people and because the majority on like so many lovely people out there that just like us you know Mm -hmm. we're all trying to do our best and yeah learn from one another and support one another and and it's just for me it's crazy because I was just um, sort of setting up my own little Facebook group and then I I realized that the Facebook group was looking more like a, I was posting a lot of educational resources it's more like you can search topics and find articles on mm-hmm. different things and I, I kind of feel like I just want to create more of a sort of magazine type concept of some sort you know mm-hmm. try and see if we can share more information more and boost each other up and um, Mm -hmm. it's not like I want to ignore the hard stuff but for me personally I sort of don't like I want to be real but I I also need to be okay so I need to sort of do some level of upliftment if that makes sense it absolutely does I know I say that all the time like when I started the show like like you said I want to be real and I want to talk about the hard stuff but at the same time, I am just a glass half full kind of person. I like to look at things in a positive way. So I think it's like you have to you have to keep a light heart even even through the hard times because otherwise, like you're gonna make yourself crazy. And yeah, and then it's gonna feel really hard and every day is gonna be a struggle. But it's like yeah. if, you can, if you can keep that perspective, and that's one of the reasons why I, I love following your page so much because I feel like you do like yes, you talk about the hard stuff, but it's like there it's not always hard. Not every day is hard. So there's some days that are really great and there's some really amazing moments and there's so much that we, we learn and take away from this journey mm-hmm. and things that should be celebrated. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause we will really at the end of the day, we will entitled to an equal life. Yeah. You know? And I know, and it's hard because society isn't hundred percent accepting of everyone. And, um, but we want to try and celebrate the little things and try and be real and you do need to vent, but I can't, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard. I, (laughs) I have a lot of trouble reading a lot of, I don't even watch CNN anymore. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. I just can't handle myself. I can't handle, I know that a lot of bad things happen. There's a lot of, issues with um 
abuse and and all kind and bullying and mm-hmm. but I can't read it and see it all the time if that makes sense oh it totally does yeah the negativity it will really it will really weigh you down I on my obviously on Instagram I don't really post articles but on on my Facebook page of the podcast I will occasionally post an article but I make it a point to only share the happy articles because I'm like I'll see you know if there's especially pertaining to autism I'll I'll see these really sad things and I I Mm -hmm. read them most of the time I don't because they're just difficult for me but I'll, I'll see people sharing them and I'll see the same article shared like 20 different times. And I'm like, there's just enough negativity out there. Like I don't need yeah. to be feeding into the negativity. I just want to feed into the positivity. Yeah. It's hard because I know I have to do a better job of offering more balance and, and sort of addressing more of the tough issues, but there are plenty of people that are doing it much yeah. better than I could if that there's, makes sense. there's plenty of people that are that are sharing the negative stuff so it's like let's let's go ahead and and share the positive and I mean you can share the negative with it I think especially mm-hmm. in this episode I think you've done a great job of just being honest and sharing like hey this is a struggle for us this is a challenge but like look at this amazing spunky girl we have and how much we all love her and I think that 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 is what comes through and yeah just, I, I hope so I will be exhausted (laughs) by the end of it, (laughs) but I'm going to, you know, you keep going for as long as you can and you do your best, right? That's all you can do. And, and the love is so strong that we all have for one another. Mm -hmm. Um, Like it's, um, it's a tough thing because um, like I want to try and offer emotional support to others. I, I don't want to, um, vent too much about the hard things in my own life and burden other people with my problems if that makes sense you know because I know there are people um going through way more grief you know I feel like it's so funny so many the things that you're saying like I I have these exact same thoughts like I know yeah. exactly exactly what you're trying to say because I agree with you it's, it's hard to find that balance of like sharing and being honest and it's funny too because whenever (laughs) I I always get worried about kind of sharing the hard times but I feel like yeah that's when I can feel the community kind of rallying around me the most because Mm -hmm. we we've all been there so it's like we all relate to each other in those hard times and it's like I love to celebrate every little success and I think that that should be the focus but at the same time it's I think it's okay to give yourself permission to talk about the yes. stuff too. You yeah, know? I think you're right. I'm I mean, glad <laughs> you agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? It's because, hard. It's hard. Because, yeah. You know, because you know that there are people out there that it's at the forefront of my mind, honest honestly it really is, that I know that there's a mum out there having the worst day of her life. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. And and you don't want to sort of um, seem to add to the doom and gloom and 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 scare people. I don't know. It's yeah. hard. There is a lot of of doom and gloom around autism, and I I hope that we can, I hope that we can change that over time because I feel yeah. there, there. Obviously, yeah. There's there's hard days, but there's there's so much joy, and there's so many amazing moments and it, moments that make me so proud and so happy and I think that like again that's something that only another autism mom would under- mm-hmm. would get it yeah or, or autism parent because I have dads that listen too so <laughs> yeah yeah I know yeah. I've got it and that's my fault for I named <laughs> I named the page autism super moms but 
it really was a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing about how we are sort of put in a position to sort of feel that we are superhuman and that we, you know, we take on so many roles, but it's not really meant to be excluding the, oh my the grandmothers yeah. or the other guardians yes. and the dads, you know? I just posted that and that was exactly, like I posted something that was talking about <laughs> you know, the, the strength that you have. And I'm like, this is exactly what I'm saying. Cause I feel like people do like, they, they look at special needs parents like we're like superhumans like oh yes you're you're fully equipped to and you have you have all the you know preparation to handle this and it's like no I I am the same as you I just got thrown into this and now it's like I'm doing the best that I can I know exactly what you're yeah yeah Megan you're (laughs) on my wavelength sweetness I yeah I feel like I these are the things I think about like I am just like everyone else you know like, honestly, like I am just going through one day at a time, mm-hmm. trying to be like a detective, trying to figure out. And sometimes it's impossible for me to figure out what my child is trying to communicate to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like she has has some language, but she is, you know, low verbal and, and it's a struggle and, and behavior is communication and mm-hmm. and you can't have the answers for everything. You know, it's so true. So true. All right. Well, like I said, we could talk forever, but I think we should probably wrap things up. So we've yes. talked about it a few times, but tell tell everyone where they can find you and connect with you. Okay. So I am taking a little break from Facebook groups okay. for the summer. Um, <laughs> Good for the you. The group is secret. And the reason why is I had way too many random people coming at me yeah <laughs> like, like I can't explain it but I was going through periods of time where I was getting like 200 private messages and mm. and trying to keep people that have no business being in a mom group being mm. in a mom group if that yeah. makes sense I don't want to yeah. offend no, anyone groups are scary for sure that's why I haven't I haven't started one for the podcast because I'm just like oh, I'm not ready to go there yet because <laughs> it's a lot of and it's a lot of work to put in terms of people volunteering time to monitor it and things like that. So, so what I'm going to do for summer is focus on the Instagram. I really love Instagram because it's Mm. short and spunky, even though I am so bad at, if I do write anything, summarizing is impossible for me. (laughs) That's You do a great job. Yeah. You you do. You're a little wordy, but I love all your words. So I'm way too wordy. (laughs) I have the same problem. So I get it. (laughs) You can tell that I was like, um, you know, that kid that was writing English literature essays and sociology essays and that kind of thing. I can, I can go on, you know, and it's terrible. (laughs) And, um, and so I just want to concentrate on just I need to spend more time with the family over summer. Like there's yeah. just new, new things happening, new things I need to talk to you about in time to do with the family. And, and just, um, I'm just going to like, just keep going, but I'm going to slow down a little bit yeah. and, and maybe come back and work more on a website. I'd like to get into a, a position of being able to do more giveaways and more sort of, educational topic driven things it sounds like some exciting stuff happening which is so fun I just love the idea of being able to create something and sort of like a magazine for caregivers type of concept that kind of connects everyone like I Mm -hmm. I want to be able to communicate with everyone yeah 
like mm-hmm. honestly like I've seen what your podcast is doing and you're you're talking to professionals you're talking to BCBAs you, you know you're talking to everyone so I think that's the greatest part that, well I think gonna, getting yeah. getting the different perspective because it's like obviously as moms I think that we are we know our kids the best but it's it's still I you take so much away from you know listening to professionals or or people who are on the spectrum themselves like we just I learn so much hearing all the different perspectives and I think that is it's it's so important to throw all those in the mix too. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So everybody, go follow Autism Super Moms on Instagram. I love following you. I think you do a great job. All your posts are. There, there's some really fun, funny ones. There's some ones that make you think. There's some more insightful ones. But it's like you you have such a good mix of everything. Oh, I hope so. I hope yes. so. I'm trying to balance it a little job. bit. You do. And, a- uh, and basically what I'm doing is I'm just sending the post to the public Facebook and just, yeah. trying, to, and, and just trying to communicate with other people. But um, in a way that allows me still to have a life as well yeah if that makes sense like you yeah. know no the like group this... I can see where that would be like taking over your life for sure and, and you know you've got five kids and just a little bit on your plate so <laughs> it's, it's hard when um when you have more than one social media outlet going on isn't it you're trying to sort of monitor everything and and it can be it can be a lot and and it's like I kind of, I, it's a thrill. I, I love the connection, but I can't be online for too many hours. Like I, I'm on, I'm online way too much as it is. But yeah. you know, it's kind of, you, you, I, I'm sure I have said some things that might potentially be problematic for my no. kids today. No, no. Um, you know, like I, none of my kids are like, you know, we're we're all, uh, we're all doing well, and um, but it's a. Uh, it's difficult for everyone, isn't it? We're all, yeah. you know, we're all sort of going through puberty and things in my house, different things happening. And it's just, uh, it's a bit of a, everything changes. <laughs> I can only imagine with five girls, especially all entering like their teenage years. And I, I have two girls, so I'll be there. I'll yes. Be there yeah. years, but I, yeah. I, I love, I love having boys and girls, but it's, it's amazing. The differences, even from such a young age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's a whole other topic for another day. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, Anne, thank you so much. It was so wonderful to talk with you. And like I said, I just, I have felt this connection with you from, from day one. And I feel like it, every, everything I thought about you has, has just been confirmed and you're just amazing. I hope so. And yes. I, hope, I hope I haven't um, been rude to anyone or no. sort of been, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. rubbed anyone up the job. wrong way. It's a little scary. And now, now I've done it. I've come out of my shell. Yes. <laughs> you did a great job. And I just wanted to say, like, just all the mums, like, honestly, it is so heartwarming to have the connection. And, yeah. and, it's, and it's a real privilege to have... Um, Mums like yourself that are on private messenger that I have somewhere to check in, you know? Yeah, absolutely. As well. Like it's just, uh, it's just the best kind of friendship. Honestly. It really is. It's amazing. And you are, I mean, you're in another country and yet here we are connecting and it's just, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. It's amazing, isn't it? It so, is. I'm not far. I'm not far. <laughs> okay. And thank you so yes. much. You have you been a delight. All right. You take care too. Okay. Yeah. Take care. Thank you for the compliments. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. 
For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT. And I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. (laughs) I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue, and those are available on Audible as well, but you can pick from any of their titles. So to download Download your free audiobook today. Go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Anne. I just love her. She is so sweet and sincere. And I have to say, especially since I've been chatting with her for a while now, it it was so nice to actually connect with her and just be able to hear her story. And I think especially because she runs such a big group on, on Instagram, sometimes people that run those groups are not necessarily the most genuine of people. So it was so nice to connect with her and see that oh my gosh like her heart really is like just she's so sweet and her heart really is in the right place um so yeah definitely make sure if you're not already to follow autism super moms it's a great place to connect with other moms but also just like feel positivity and support. I think Anne does such a great job with that account. And if you want to connect with me, you can follow me on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod or on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast. Or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. And that is all for today. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, take care.